Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. I created Data Mesh Radio to be a resource for Data Mesh practitioners the world over. This is a weekly summary episode where I share a bit about the upcoming week's episodes and give you an extended summary for any interviews or panels that will be released during that week. It's designed to help you decide what episodes you might want to spend the full time to listen to, as interview episodes and panels are typically more than one hour long. In general, if you were running up against any challenges with Data Mesh, I'm here to help. I started a company around doing just that, Data Mesh Understanding. So get in touch if I can be of help. Check out our free community programs and things like that as well. Weekly episode summaries and programming notes for the week of July 30th, 2023. No major call to action other than hopefully, you know, good weather that you can enjoy wherever you are. So while, again, we're doing the roundtables, if you want, just check out my LinkedIn. You can find more information about that. They happen every Thursday. So what's on tap for this week? On Monday, we have episode 244, Leading a Data Transformation the Empathetic and, and Right Way, Going Far Together. This is with Benny Benford, who was recently the CDO at Jaguar Land Rover. He was there for a number of years. So we talk about kind of how did he build up the the data capabilities and build up kind of what they were doing over the, the, I think it was six-year time frame that he was there. We talked about the the long-term growth of data capabilities and data fluencies within the overall organization and how to make sure you align with the business strategy so your data strategy isn't going in a separate direction. You know, you can pull together. That's what Benny said was you can, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So he also talked about something that I haven't really heard that I thought was really good. It was a really good point was how the job of the data leader isn't organizational transformation. And so, you know, Think about what is your job within the greater organization? What are you supposed to do? But as a data leader, your job is also probably not to do the day-to-day data work. So how do you balance all of that? There's a lot of really good insights from someone that was on the ground for many years doing kind of the prep work to be able to do something like data mesh. You know, I don't think he was doing it specifically for that six years ago, but it was about creating a more and more capable organization that understood how to leverage data and move forward with that. On Friday, we're going to have episode 245, which is a panel. This is the second timers club. Lesson learned from those on their second implementation or more um, with Samia Rahman, Sheetal Pratik, and Khan Chow. So all of these are past guests. Samia has, you know, did two different implementations at ThoughtWorks and then is now at CGen. Um, Sheetal was at Saxo Bank and is now at Adidas. Khan was at Northern Trust and is now at Granger. So I wanted to have this for a long time because I think it's really important 
to have people that are able to not just look back on their first journey, but their second journey and go like, what are the actual through lines, right? It was a really fun panel. And, you know, from speaking with these these people involved in multiple journeys, every journey seems to be completely different, even if the target outcome looks relatively simple. And it's not just slightly different. They look pretty different depending on how your organization works, where you're starting from. And the perspective of having gone through, you know, parts of, of a journey multiple times, I think is really important. Um, some of the things that came through a lot is the communication aspects, not just buy-in, but keeping people aligned and informed is going to be way more important than almost anyone expects. You know, I've got my usual summary of a boatload of takeaways in the um, extended summaries that are coming up here in a second. So with that, let's go ahead and get to the extended summary for Benny's episode and the panel. Just a reminder though, the panel summaries can go quite long because I've got, like I said, a boatload of bullet points. Extended summary for episode 244, leading a data mesh transformation the empathetic and right way, going far together, an interview with Benny Benford. In this inter- episode, I interviewed Benny, the former CDO at Jaguar Land Rover, or JLR, and who is now currently building out a community around data transformation. To be clear, he was only representing his own views on the episode. Benny started off talking about data culture and organizational culture. He doesn't believe you can separate the two, but it is a common desire among data leaders to do so. Data culture isn't something you build and create as an aspect, or data culture is something you create, you build and and create as an aspect of your organizational culture. It's not its own separate thing. Otherwise, you will always be fighting against the tide of your organizational culture, trying to build out your data culture. It all needs to be integrated change and transformation together. Otherwise, the organizational changes will be in conflict with your data culture changes. And people are employees of the organization more than they really are of the data team at the end of the day. Quote, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. For Benny, that emphasizes the long-term transformation efforts you need to drive to a, a better data culture. You You can go somewhere quick, but if everyone is going somewhere quick, there is no cohesion, no real concerted change to the organization and thus the culture. If you have a general transformation team, align with them. Align on the overall corporate goals and leverage them to drive your data culture transformation. Yes, slightly harder than just creating your own kind of data culture, but far more effective and long-lasting, right? Yes, you want to get your data transformation initiatives as part of the org strategy, but it doesn't have to be the main focus of the org strategy. And it might take a bit of time to make kind of the data aspect a core pillar of the strategy, but that's how you do effective change management, building to better over time. You know, Benny, I think, was there for six years. It takes a while for this stuff to happen. Benny made the excellent point that 
While it can be tempting to leverage the attention data is getting in many organizations to try to drive major organizational culture change, it's almost certainly not what the organization is asking a data leader to do. Your role as a data leader is not to lead the overall organizational change and and transformation, right? Just because there is some juice behind the data team, it's not where a data leader should focus. Ask if your job is really, again, leading that organizational change, or is it about delivering on data-related objectives? While pressing for an open data sharing culture is great in spirit, Benny has seen it can stoke a lot of fears. What happens if someone looks deeply into my line of business, my domain, to to try to find mismanagement or incorrect decisions I've made in the past? And that could happen in a very competitive organization. That is why the the cultural guidance needs to come from senior management and the board of directors around what would be considered unethical internal use, right? Not just this is against regulations, but this is against our ethical policy of how we actually share data internally. Assuring people there will be consequences for somebody doing that, trying to undermine instead of help other lines of business, can reduce a lot of the fears. When JLR opened up their data sharing, it felt like a risky proposition, but really because the guidelines were clear and it was about opening up much more information access, it went very smoothly and significantly improved collaboration. Benny pressed on the idea that we can solve every eventuality, every challenge in a data transformation ahead of time. Of course, we all know that's not possible, but people will be afraid of change. That's normal. But having a good transformation strategy incorporates that fear and addresses it by having good ways to uncover and address emerging challenges. Assure people that while you don't have every answer, you have their back. It's also very common for data leaders to really lack experience in transformation initiatives, according to Benny. While data leaders are really good at data, the lack of transformation experience can be hard. Lean into this isn't going about going it alone. We're in this together. Benny's a big proponent, a champion, you might say, of champions forums, especially or essentially having a place where champions of your data initiatives can exchange information with each other. And your your data team, your data leadership team are, you know, being able in that same uh, arena to exchange information with everybody. It's crucial because you can find your existing challenge points much easier. You know, even if somebody was successful, where's their friction? If you take in their feedback, they feel seen and heard and lean in even more to being even more of a champion. You also have great points of leverage to inspire others based on the success of your champions. When moving from a centralized to a decentralized structure for the data team, Benny saw a lot of fear from those in the centralized team. Would they even have a role in the changed organization? What was their career path? You, you don't want to lose your data talent. It's so expensive and hard to replace. So be clear about the path forward for them. There's always uncertainty, but try to show them they are and will continue to be valued. Another experience from JLR that worked well for Benny and team was that when he was hired as a data leader, he realized he probably couldn't lead all of the transformation within the data team or the data organization on focusing on both the day-to-day execution and on data 
uh, of data projects and the overall kind of change program. So he asked for and got in a second leader to lead the projects that day to day while he focused on the program aspect of how do we approach data. Transformation doesn't happen in a vacuum. People need to be focused on transformation specifically. That's the program as- aspect. Just executing well on your day-to-day data uh, objectives, your day-to-day data projects. Don't try and say that five times fast, but um, just doing that, it won't transform your team and your culture, right? You have to have somebody that's focused on that transformation. Similarly, Benny shared how they built a transformation flywheel around data. At first, it was training a few people as part of the central data team's time, training them to act on their own in their own lines of business. They didn't even have a budget for this training specifically in year one or year two, and they thought they would in year three, but then there was a kind of a big downturn in the auto space in in year three. And so it continued to grow to hundreds of people, and they still didn't even have budget for it. They started seeding the organization with data-capable champions that pushed others to take the data training and to say, you know, how great this was and how everybody should be taking it. After a few years, the training was so much in demand, it was far too big for the data team to even own. So they got good budget and brought in external trainers. The overall kind of moral of the story is you can start small and still have a big impact and build momentum. Benny recommends when getting started with, or really any point along the way of, a data transformation initiative, a big benefit is to get people used to and comfortable with the idea of imperfection in data. I've talked about this a ton of times. We're not going to get everything right, and that's okay. You can capture great value even around something that isn't perfect, and it will never be perfect. That's okay. Nothing in this world that is complicated ever gets to actually perfect. Data partnering with other parts of the organization might seem obvious, but in Benny's experience, it isn't all that commonly done by data leaders, right? The data team should have partnerships with HR, finance, sales, marketing, etc. And you need partners to move the organization forward. And that also means data leaders need skills that aren't just data skills. And that can be, again, that can be tough, right? Like he talked a lot about this as a data leader, you come up and you're, you've mostly gotten there from being, you know, this really uh, great at data type of person, right? So, and Benny wrapped up on kind of that, that same point. What is a data leader's role in a large organization? Their role is rarely to focus on the data work itself anymore. And that can be a bit of a gut punch for those who love data. But it's about building bridges to the rest of the organization and helping them do their work better. That means you're still doing the data work just with the lens of bringing it into your business partner's context. Still, it can be frustrating and hard to give up that data work. That's not unusual or unexpected. It's just part of what it means to take on that data leadership role. So it means not focusing on the stuff you shouldn't, but that can mean that you have to give up doing day-to-day data work. And that, again, can frustrate some people. And then just a quick tidbit, you know, data culture and agile culture, agile transformation, Benny thinks they end up being pretty similar in many respects. Look to how organizations are successfully implementing agile transformation to inform your data transformation strategies.
extended summary for episode 245, a panel, Lessons from Doing Data Mesh Again, the Second Timers Club, led by Sami Rahman with Khan Chow and Sheetal Pratik. Quick reminder that extended summaries for panels go through a lot of bullet points and are quite long. In this episode, guest host Sami Rahman, Director of Enterprise Data Strategy, Architecture, and Governance at the life sciences company CGen and guest host of episode 67, facilitated a discussion with Sheetal Pratik, who's the Director of Engineering and leading the India Data Integration Platform at Adidas, and guest of episode number 24, and Khan Chow, Director of Cloud Data Architecture at Granger, and guest of episode 44. As per usual, all guests were only reflecting their own views. The topic for this panel was a bit different with reflections and learnings from doing a second or more data mesh implementation from a practitioner standpoint. It's people who have the experience to reflect back on multiple implementations to give advice to their past selves and those earlier in their journeys after seeing multiple organizations implementing data mesh up close. Khan Chow was leading was the leading data architect for Northern Trust's data mesh implementation before taking up the same role at Granger for their implementation. Sheetal was the head of data integration at Saxo Bank as part of their data mesh implementation before moving to Adidas, where she is leading the India data integration platforms and has also played integration lead for moving an on-prem centralization centralized integration platform to a federated cloud integration platform. And Samia worked deeply on two implementations at ThoughtWorks, including one closely with Shemak before starting at CGen. And just personal note here, as with all the panels, I share my takeaways rather than trying to reflect the nuance of each panelist's views. So I've got eight top takeaways and then 23 additional ones. Yes, 23. You, you know me. <laughs> So my top takeaways, number one, prepare to take many concepts from abstract to something concrete and explain it to many people, right? Take many of these concepts from kind of the abstract around data mesh to something really, really concrete and explain it and explain it repeatedly. You're going to have to explain over and over even to the same people. And your definitions of things like a data product or what the platform offers or, you know, what is good governance or all of that. Your definitions will change over time, and that's okay. A big part of leading an implementation is about communication and keep keeping, keeping people on the same page and informed. It's not about getting things perfect. Number two, similarly, prepare for confusion. People will go to different sources for information, including a lot of vendor content, to learn about data mesh. So keeping people aligned and understanding key aspects of data mesh are crucial. You know, what is data mesh can be a dangerous and difficult question when it really shouldn't be. Number three, it's important to learn from other organizations' implementations, but your journey, if you are going for success and not simply going for copying and being cool, will be unique in what matters most when. It's easy to get overwhelmed trying to manage every aspect perfectly. So look to focus on learning and iterating along the way Instead of getting it perfect up front, we have to get used to the idea of imperfection in data. Stepping back and looking at the seven journeys across the panelists, they really don't look all that similar. If you didn't know that they were all doing data mesh, 
you might not say that they're all doing the same thing, but they're all headed in the same direction, trying to reach the same destination. How you get there is going to be very different depending on how your organization works, where it started from, and things like that. Number four, when choosing which domain or domains to partner with, highest value or ROI can look like the most important metric, but really, especially early, finding someone who is willing to take a risk and will also champion your solution when it succeeds is kind of the most important aspect. You do need to find use cases that have a reasonable return on investment, but having a true partner is the most important part because if all you have is somebody that created a data product and you can't really leverage that to go wider with your your data mesh implementation, you're just going to have to do all that same work over again. Number five, data mesh isn't a solution to the business people, and it really shouldn't be to the data people probably. It's For them, it's a way to address an ever-growing challenge and issue within the organization. The business people feel the pain, talk to the pain. They don't care nearly as much about the how as you probably assume. You know, make them a tasty sausage, not give them a sausage factory tour. Number six, don't underestimate the fear of change and loss of control. Data mesh is a new approach, and many are sick of new data approaches, right? <laughs> Where they've tried all these different data approaches and none, none have really uh, solved what, what their pain points have been. So, but, you know, people's fear of getting left behind or not being in control is a natural human reaction. Make sure people understand how this, you know, data mesh makes things better, not just for the organization, but also for them. Really lean into making this something that's valuable to them. Number seven, defining data mesh success metrics at the micro level, kind of the data product level, or even smaller than that, and at the macro level of the entire implementation is still hard. There are a lot of measures you can use that are helpful and and do look into fitness functions as well. There was a good episode on that, I think episode 94, but it will take some time and effort to find good success metrics. And those metrics will also change over time. So just kind of get going. Start measuring something and you'll figure it out. Number eight, as some past guests have noted, a good way to drive buy-in for those actually doing the data work is to make it faster to produce data for themselves, not just you know trying to do the data products for others. If you can make getting access to data and creating something useful for the, the data producing domain quicker, Many will lean into leveraging the platform and then you can, it's a pretty easy <laughs> process to get them, hey, you're already using this platform. Let's get you sharing some data on it for some other domains as well. So here are some other important takeaways. Many touch on similar points from different aspects. So I've got the, the other 23 that aren't my top eight. So number one, faster time to business outcomes is likely attractive to business partners to get buy-in and as a success metric you can actually somewhat reliably measure right how fast did you get your turnaround to actually get an answer on this thing how how quickly were you able to act on it number two for success metrics for your implementation itself look at time to deliver new products Slow delivery might be because a domain isn't ready or leaning in, but repeated slow delivery is probably a problem with the platform in some way. So you can start to actually kind of look at these at these different metrics and say, what does this actually tell us? Where should we look into it? Number three, 
It's tempting to try to start from the infrastructure aspects of data mesh first, but you have to focus on the value of doing something like data mesh. What is the value proposition for the organization? What is it? What is it for the specific person you are talking to as well? How are you going to get that person bought in? Number four, the needs of your organization will look different from other organizations. I touched on this a little bit earlier. You probably can't know exactly what will end up being your big focus ahead of time and at any part in your journey. A lot of the learnings and realizations can only happen when you're in the midst of your journey. People don't want to hear that, but it's true. Number five, because every part of an organization matures differently, each domain has developed a way of working that, you know, they, they've already, your domains aren't living in a vacuum. You're not just coming to them as fresh. They've developed a way of working that fits to their domain, but it makes it very hard to then standardize the ways of working or sharing data because every domain is already kind of functioning in and of itself. You need to build that central frameworks for collaborating, but still allowing the domains to work, you know, kind of mostly in their existing ways. Otherwise, you are probably fighting a losing battle. If you're going to try and go in and say, you have to change the way you do everything instead of the way that you share data, and we're going to make it easy for you to prepare and share that data. If you try and change everything, you're, it's, you're just going to fight a losing battle, right? You can't transform the entire organization yourself. Number six, it's easy to lose sight of how important the business partners are to your data mesh success. They can provide a ton of leverage to driving buy-in, budget, etc., or they can provide a ton of headwinds and resistance. Find your good partners and make sure you're aligned on making your overall data mesh approach a success. Number seven, similarly, at its core, data mesh is about business transformation. Yes, transformation by driven by changing how we interact with data and do data work, but business transformation nonetheless. Number eight, to get funding sponsorship for something beyond the first few data products, you have to show the value proposition, especially in a soft economic environment like we have right now. You aren't going to do that by talking technology. It's important to show a good return soon for sure, but also have that broader vision. Number nine, Technological solutions don't equate to business value to most business people. Talk to them about what they care about. They don't care about the technological solutions or the architectural approach. Number 10, with every success, you can build momentum. But that momentum only builds if you're selling the successes, telling people and proving out the value. Data leaders need to be as much about showing off the results as achieving them, unfortunately. Number 11, it can be effective to mesh buy-in to point out how decentralized efforts will probably happen, such as shadow IT. But they become their own little IT fiefdoms, if not at least coordinated in some way through kind of a central mechanism. It doesn't need to be ownership, but if you don't have a central framework and rule set, you end up with silos, spending more money on many platforms and worse quality data. This can be a beneficial thing to say, hey, this is why we should change because this is what's happening. But it can also be a fear for people as to when you do decentralization wrong, this is what it looks like, right? So you need to have that kind of central rule set as to how you're actually going to share data with each other. Number 12, as Khan said regarding governance, quote, 
So how do we bring this whole ecosystem of technologies together in such a way that is safe for people to do things faster and meet all the regulatory compliance? Two key words in there are safe and faster. Don't make governance about gates. Make it about getting to data production more quickly, but still safely. Number 13, while data mesh may not itself be cheaper than doing nothing, it often results in cost savings relatively quickly by removing duplication of work. If everyone is at least broadcasting what they're doing relative to their data work and data mesh, then there is far less overlap in kind of what data products people might might have that might cause confusion in two teams essentially doing that, that same thing. Number 14, trying to build the entire platform ahead of time is a really bad idea, but you also can't come to the business with an inferior, clunky, hard-to-use, immature solution unless you've got a really, really forgiving partner. Make sure your organization has some platform capabilities to not make it a huge hassle to build out the early data products. If you don't have any platform capabilities as an organization, you're not ready to start down the data mesh path. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but here I am, the bearer of bad news. Number 15, don't try to onboard every domain at the start of your journey. Start to seed the conversation with them. Talk to the pain points, but you can't handle 30 domains coming on board at once. You know, the Novo Nordisk conversation I thought was really interesting in episode 212 because they were able to do quite a few domains at once, but it's because all the domains were already very data capable and it was more about giving them a platform that actually enabled them to do things and, and all this stuff. So that's very, very, very uncommon. You're not going to have that unless you're one out of a hundred journeys. Number 16, when driving buy-in, don't only focus on executives. You need people throughout the organization leaning into doing data mesh. If you need new skills to accomplish you know, your data mesh implementation to have a good implementation, you need people who will acquire those skills and level up their data fluency. That's not the executives in a lot of cases. Talk to the people doing the actual day-to-day work. I thought this was a really interesting point because it is about if you if you have only the people at the high level bought in and the people just kind of giving lip service to them instead of actually implementing that's you know obviously not going to work well number 17 you potentially don't need a huge budget to start a data mesh journey but you can start lean yes you will have leaner results but if you can prove faster time to business outcomes you can generate more and more momentum and get more funding number 18 Build momentum around your mindset shift. You aren't going to convince people over overnight. This one, I think, comes a lot of, you're not going to have a snap decision on this stuff. Number 19, it's important for domains to take over ownership of data, but that also doesn't happen overnight. And your initial ownership will probably not be as strong of ownership as you'd like. And it probably won't involve the operational plane system experts or developers as much as you'd like but that will evolve and get better. You have to get started with okay, not perfect. Crawl, walk, run. It's okay to start by crawling. Number 20, you probably need to apply DevOps principles to your data products where the data product developers also support the data products and do the operations aspects of them. But it might be hard to get people really bought in on that, on doing that when your platform is still pretty nascent. We saw this a lot in early DevOps and still see that when we're like, hey, 
developers, you're now going to take over operations. Well, you haven't given me the tools to do that. So I'm not going to do it or I'm going to leave the organization. Right? We don't want that in, in data. Number 21, you want to build feedback mechanisms around data products to drive domains to make them better. But there are many concepts around data product feedback being touted by vendors, but few people are happy with what they've built or are getting from vendors. The best feedback mechanism around data products and how good of a data product is, the best feedback mechanism is probably just creating a culture shift towards providing more and better feedback. Um, I know that that's a, a goofy thing to say, but I think it's really, really true. Number 22, as Samia said, it's not really, quote, it's not really on us as governors to govern and force it on you, but to empower you so that you're doing the right things for yourself and for your organization. And finally, number 23, there's a ton of interest in how generative AI can play in data mesh, but it's still far too early for it to have a big impact. Hopefully it sounds like some awesome episodes for you coming up this week. As a reminder, feel free to get in touch if I might be useful in your data mesh journey, helping quite a few organizations and introducing people to each other, plus doing some roundtables. Check out datameshunderstanding.com for more information. I hope you have a great rest of your day and week. Now on to that fun, funky little outro music.